Welcome to the Bioethics Podcast, project of the Center for Bioethics and Human Dignity. I'm Ben Mitchell, Director of the Center for Bioethics and Human Dignity. In this edition of the Bioethics Podcast, CBHD Operations Consultant Matthew Epinette continues with the second of three-part podcast airing of Human 2.0, Transhumanism as a Cultural Trend. The first installment of this essay was run on May 18th and is available through our website. The concluding installment will be run in two weeks. Baker Academic has made a digital copy of this essay available to the general public, and we posted this on our website at www.cbhd.org. First, though, a reminder that registration for CBHD's 14th Annual Conference on Bioethics Bioethics Nexus, the Future of Healthcare, Science, and Humanity, is now available. Speakers this year include Dr. Alvin Plantinga from the University of Notre Dame, Dr. Christina Bieber-Lake from Wheaton College, O. Carter Sneed from the University of Notre Dame Law School, Dr. Brent Waters from Garrett Evangelical Theological Seminary, Dr. David Prentice from the Family Research Council, and Dr. Christopher Hook from the Mayo Clinic. The conference will take place on the campus of Trinity International University in suburban Chicago, July 12 through 14, 2007. In addition, there are a number of options for earning academic and continuing education credit. Check our website, cbhd.org, for more information and online registration, which again is available now. Continued from Human 2.0, Transhumanism as a Cultural Trend, by Matthew Epinette. Where we are and how we got here. Science and the scientific method are the primary means by which transhumanists come to understand reality. Physics, chemistry, and biology reveal the way in which the world operates and how it can be manipulated and improved. The universal language of logic and mathematics enables the mind mentally to homogenize the entire world, turn it into stuff for our manipulations. One of the main premises of transhumanism is that human beings are at a relatively early phase of our evolution. We are here because of naturalistic Darwinian evolution, and the visible world is all there is. What they call the human condition receives much attention in the transhumanist FAQ. While it is never defined explicitly, it is always spoken of in terms of something that needs improvement, transformation, and genuine change. Transhumanists acknowledge that we might not be perfect, and science has its own fallibilities and imperfections, but provide no root cause for either of these imperfections. It is simply a given, a part of the human condition. In transhumanism, as in humanism, Quote, man and his capabilities are the central concern, end quote. While humanism is interested in maximizing human development, transhumanism adds the idea that by using technology, humans can progress beyond human to become post-human. Given the emphasis in transhumanism on the human, it's interesting that transhumanists tend to take a negative view of the human body. Human brains are referred to as three-pound lumps of neural tissue that we use for thinking, or that gray, cheesy lump inside your skull. Where we are going and how to get there. To understand transhumanism, one must look to its ultimate goal, becoming 
post-human. Post-humans are, quote, beings whose basic capacities so radically exceed those of present humans as to be no longer unambiguously human by our current standards, end quote. To be post-human is to, quote, reach intellectual heights as far above any current human genius as humans are above other primates, to be resistant to disease and impervious to aging, to have unlimited youth and vigor, to exercise control over their own desires, moods, and mental states, to be able to avoid feeling tired, hateful, or irritated about petty things, to have an increased capacity for pleasure, love, artistic appreciation, and serenity, to experience novel states of consciousness that current human brains cannot access. End quote. The post-human era will be ushered in by the singularity, a hypothesized point in time when changes of such magnitude occur that everything beyond that point is altered in ways that are impossible to describe accurately. The singularity will occur when we are able to create computers that are smarter than humans or that possess superintelligence. The term singularity comes from the world of physics. Just as physics cannot explain the center of a black hole, the singularity, we cannot explain a world in which superintelligence and post-humans exist. Ultimately, proponents of the singularity hope to achieve a positive feedback loop such that the human mind builds a superintelligent mind, which in turn builds a mind that is smarter still. The quest for the singularity is buoyed by speculation that it might occur in the first half of this century. Reason and technology, particularly biotechnology, are the keys to overcoming fundamental human limitations. They're the means by which we can become post-human. The future of humanity is indeterminate, waiting to be shaped and molded. The post-human goal, therefore, will require the rational application of all possible technologies to redesign or enhance the human organism. It is though through the proper application of reason and technology, humans can become perfect people in a perfect society, on a perfect earth. Three technologies merit a closer look. Nanotechnology, uploading, and advanced genetics. Nanotechnology, which involves the ability to manipulate matter at the level of the atom, is expected to play a key role in such areas as cryonics and uploading. Cryonics involves freezing a person's body when he or she dies in the hope that when technology and medicine are sufficiently advanced, the body can be thawed out, brought back to life, and restored to health. Nanotechnology will be necessary to undo the damage done by the freezing process. Moreover, nanotechnology will enable us to transform coal into diamonds, sand into supercomputers, and to remove pollution from the air and tumors from healthy tissue. Uploading, which is connected closely to the transhuman negative view of the body, involves transferring a person's essential self from his body or her body into a computer. Nanotechnology would be required to recreate electronically or synthetically the brain states of the person. The conjectured benefits of uploading include backing up and rebooting the self when needed, living economically, thinking faster and learning better, traveling via the Internet, and escaping from physical decline and death. Transhumanists argue that it is a common misunderstanding that people who upload themselves would necessarily be disembodied and that this would mean that their experiences would be impoverished. Instead, 
an upload could have a virtual, that is, simulated body, or could rent bodies in order to work in or explore physical reality. Transhumanists hope to take genetic techniques to a more advanced level, especially in reproduction. Parents have an implied duty to make use of genomics and pre-implantation screening to ensure the health of their children. At its theoretical extreme, genomics would allow parents to make a child to order. Would you like tall, dark, and handsome with that? Pre-implantation screening involves removing a single cell from an embryo created by in vitro fertilization in order to test for certain diseases or traits. Embryos deemed insufficient are discarded. While the realization of the full potential of genomics is at best many years away, pre-implantation screening currently is offered in a number of clinics in the United States. Ethical Implications Like genomics and pre-implantation screening, many aspects of where we're going and how to get there are ethically charged. Transhumanist ethics are based on a combination of radical personal autonomy defined as the ability and right of individuals to plan and choose their own lives, and utilitarianism. Each person should be able to decide which technologies to apply to his or her own body and to what extent. Similarly, people should be free to choose when and how they reproduce and have complete say in the results of their reproduction. In practical terms, this means that people should be free to use genetic medicine or embryonic screening to increase the probability of a healthy, happy, and multiply talented child. Transhumanists would advocate restrictions on procreative liberty only in the case where definite harm would come to a child or where the child's options in life would be seriously limited. Autonomy is also a factor in transhuman views on death. Everybody should have the right to choose when and how they die or not to die. Transhumanists further assert Voluntary euthanasia under conditions of informed consent is a basic human right. The only acceptable restraint on radical personal autonomy is based in utilitarianism. For example, reproductive cloning is considered from a utilitarian view. Quote, when thinking about whether to permit human reproductive cloning, we have to compare the various possible desirable consequences with the various possible undesirable consequences. We then have to try to estimate the likelihood of each of these consequences. This kind of deliberation is much harder than simply dismissing cloning as unnatural, but it is also more likely to result in good decisions. End quote. A post-human future? The spirit of our age evokes a sense that whatever can be done not only should be done, but in fact must be done. This is an unacknowledged assumption that many hold, and upon which transhumanism plays when refusing to consider the possibility of setting aside any technology, no matter how dangerous. Several transhumanist writings and one section of the transhumanist FAQ are devoted to existential disaster, the possibility that a man-made disaster might destroy or permanently damage all intelligent life. Yet they will not and cannot disavow perilous technologies. Transhumanism assures that what we do while continuing to pursue these technologies will make the difference. The technological breakthrough most essential to their hopes of becoming posthuman is also one of the riskiest. When describing the singularity, they mention that it will probably occur, 
quote, provided that we manage to avoid destroying civilization, end quote. It is all too true that humanity's entire future may depend on how we manage the coming technological transitions. Transhumanism is in many ways a project that blends modernity and postmodernity. Its biotechnological pursuits rest solidly on the modern scientific project to which mankind was summoned almost 400 years ago by Francis Bacon and René Descartes. This has become an almost blind faith in inevitable progress that redefines good as the suppression, repression, replacement, and or total control of the natural via science and technology. Postmodernity supplies the belief that there is nothing intrinsically valuable about the biological form, particularly not the human form. In addition, transhumanists point to the postmodern emphasis on exploding conceptual barriers in order to widen the reach of human creativity as at least a partial warrant for their agenda. In sum, because there are no true norms for existence or behavior, they argue, we may create any reality we desire and change ourselves in any manner to our suiting. Transhumanists believe that the pursuit of immortality is an ancient human quest, they call attention to the fact that various philosophical systems have attempted to find meaning in the fact of death and that religions have attempted to convey a sense of hope regarding what follows death through teachings such as resurrection and reincarnation. In addition, developments in medicine, science, and technology have led to longer life expectancy. If death is part of the natural order, transhumanists point out, so too is the human desire to overcome death. A recent book asserts that the post-human potential to play God, to pursue immortality, pushes these issues beyond the ethical into the theological. Appropriately, therefore, it is to the theological we now turn. That was the second installment of Human 2.0, Transhumanism as a Cultural Trend by Matthew Epinette. Matthew Epinette is Operations Consultant for the Center for Bioethics and Human Dignity, and Communications Director at Americans United for Life. This essay originally appeared on pages 190 to 207 of Everyday Theology, How to Read Cultural Texts and Interpret Trends, edited by Kevin J. Van Hooser, Charles A. Anderson, and Michael J. Sleesman, uh, published by Baker Academic, 2007. The copyrighted use of this essay has been made with the permission of Baker Academic. The unreferenced text of this article is posted at cbhd.org as well as through the Baker Academic website. Stay tuned to the Bioethics Podcast for the remaining installment. The Bioethics Podcast is a project of the Center for Bioethics and Human Dignity. The Center for Bioethics and Human Dignity is a nonprofit 501c3 organization exploring the nexus of biomedicine, biotechnology, and our common humanity. Our website cbhd.org has a wealth of materials on a wide range of bioethical issues. For more information about the Center and to support the work of the Center and projects like this podcast, please visit our website, cbhd.org. My name is Ben Mitchell, and I'm Director of the Center for Bioethics and Human Dignity. Thank you for listening to the Bioethics Podcast.